What up, DeBello? How you doing? Good, man. What's up? Hey, welcome back. It was, it was, it was, it was not nice not seeing you last week. Even though I saw you, we did record. Um, people who are listening to this were, were probably wondering where that episode went last week. I got busy. <laughs> I got busy and it just didn't happen. Yeah, but because, no, we had a good short episode, but we were doing it via remote, so it's not. I, I have some withdrawal myself. I, yeah. you know, I love doing this. Yeah, man, I missed you. I missed you, and you brought me a breakfast sandwich like you do sometimes, and I appreciate you because I don't know if anybody knows we 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 Ross comes over to my house or into my neighborhood, and he always stops at a coffee shop somewhere and picks up coffee. Well, he doesn't drink coffee; he drink tea, and sometimes he grabs a sandwich, and that's that's our our Saturday rituals. It's, it's very romantic. It's beautiful. It's romantic. <laughs> romantic, yes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with Cleveland news. Instead of national, we're going to start with Cleveland because Cleveland news, like you said, hit hard this week. And uh, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with City Council or do you want to start with uh, West, West Six? Well, I think the timeline is important because City Council only happened. Because all of that West, stuff, Yeah, West all that Six. stuff only happened because of, that must have been a week ago today. You, you, you had your party. I had my party. We were busy. And then that night... People were partying down on West 6th, and there must have been one... I'm under the impression it was one shooter shot into a crowd. Many people got hit. Nine people got hit. Nobody killed, but nine people got hit, went to Metro for triage... Not triage, uh, for emergency care. Did you see the video at Metro? No. Did you see that? There's like a, you know, just a general camera set up at Metro, and a bunch of people came in looking for the victim like you got it on camera like it's i probably should have put it on the list but uh and they like barreled through the metal detector it was like six people or something then three cops kind of kicked them out like get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here what do you mean looking for the victim you i mean the shooter yeah n- no looking for a victim oh so, like like oh my, my boy got shot yeah i don't they're know at, they're at metro and i'm coming to find my boy sort of thing who knows the intentions, but yes, they were there looking for one of the victims that got shot. Okay. And, but they did it in what looked like a very drunken, rioty type of a way. And they had to get, obviously, kicked out by three police officers. And uh, so that's on video. That's on Cleveland.com. And, you know, I do think this is important. I don't, I don't mind us starting with it because this is emblematic. Well, of, let me, let me, let me yeah. just let me go over exactly what happens. So everybody understands okay. we're on the same page. So it was around 2.30 a.m., at, at night on Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, and a shooter shot into the crowd, hitting nine people. This was over in, in West Six, and West Six in Cleveland is a warehouse kind of like bar restaurant district. It's you have good restaurants there, like what Blue Points there. Um, it was XO, now it's a different restaurant. Yeah, very expensive restaurants, very popular bars and clubs. Right, yeah. right. So that's what happened, and now and somebody got shot in, and they hit nine people. So another mass shooting in the United States of America, this time hitting Cleveland. You can take it from here, Ross. Well, I, I, you know, we're going to get into the council meeting and the mayor not being there and blah, blah, blah. One of the restaurateurs, very well-known guy in the area. Bobby George. Bobby George put up $50,000 looking for the perpetrator. Um, they've since, I think, got him on, he's, right. you know, he, he, they gave him a high bail and stuff like that. Um, innocent until proven guilty, but, um, you know, the city, the, 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 the main kind of power part of the city went nuts, right? Because this was, again, we, we live in stadium life. We live in museum life. We live in Westside market tourism life that dominates 
our cognizance, right? Like what we think about, what we talk about here in Cleveland because of who's the count, who appoints the council people, who it donates to the mayoral campaigns and who's the mayor, where the mayor lives, what the mayor's about, you know, uh, this, where our money goes to with these stadiums and, you know, real estate and things like that. And so finally, kind of, those power players went nuts about the crime. And I'm sure this hurts business. That's, hurts a, that's a very good point. But I, I want to bring this back for a little bit because I think that the Bobby George is something that we cannot gloss over. That, I wasn't trying. Yes, go so, ahead. So, so Bobby George is a very big, and the Georges are very big Republican donors, Republican supporters. I'm, I'm correct with this, right? Absolutely. And so, the, if, so if you have a very conservative GOP Trump Republican, you're going to have support from the Georgians. Vance, they threw him fundraisers. Actually, Vance, he did just throw RFK a fundraiser at Town Hall. Max Miller. Yeah. Um, right, right, your opponent. Uh, he got, he got, Max got money from them, um, either PAC money and personal donations. So, like, they're, they're very, and I didn't know they did RFK, but that's something they we're going to talk about. They just did RFK. We're like going to talk about that in a, in a little or bit, by the way. Ago. Okay. Um, but the thing is, is, and I totally agree with Bobby George here. There's nothing I disagree with him with what he said. He said, a couple great quotes. Number one is, I'm sick of my city going to shit. That's number one. We've, we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, number two is that you show me the incentive and I'll show you the motivation. And that's what he said when he said, hey, I'm going to give this $50,000. Because what he was trying to do is find this guy. He's like, look, I'm not going to capitulate. He said, in quote, um, be, be paranoid, be scared, don't let them win. And I 100% agree with that. Like, what we're gonna just shut down our businesses, create different hours. We're gonna, you know, make sure that make these small business owners, these entrepreneurs, these restaurant tours, close their business or change their livelihoods because of of fear. And so he's like, this guy's out at large. The cops weren't finding him. He said fifty thousand dollars to find him. Within the next day, the guy is the guy allegedly the alleged shooter is now arrested. Uh, behind the, bars. The, uh, and so I just want to say, like, I, as much as I, I, I'm not politically aligned with the Georges, I want to say that this was a move that Clevelanders, and especially people of his stature and his wealth and his influence, should be doing, is stepping up for their communities. But, but I'm not disputing. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm disputing that. Uh, I didn't say you were. I, yeah, I, yeah. I just want to make that statement right, because, right. I, I, because I, think that, I think that this is a very interesting sure. turn of events it's by very a citizen. Interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. You're right. And the insinuation is one of the other bar owners on that street was one that maybe came to him before they went to the police to say, well, here's the make, make of the guy that I think I saw, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's the um, insinuation that one of the fellow business owners on the street was like, yeah, I saw something, whatever. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable going to the police. Um, but your point was, well, it was really good. It's like the crime was happening this whole time until it starts hitting that's, the elite. That's my point. So just last night, right, there's more shootings in Collinwood, east side of Cleveland. I mean, it's going to happen tonight. You know what I mean? And Cleveland is a, Cleveland is not just downtown. Not only is it not just downtown, downtown is a very small slice of Cleveland, you know, and these wards, you know, I guess you could say I'm kind of lucky in West Park. We don't have as much shootings as some of the other neighborhoods, but we have a lot of crime in Cleveland. We have a lot of crime and poverty in Cleveland in all the parts, more so than downtown, right? more so than downtown. And so the, this idea of two Clevelands, right? There are two Clevelands. And we, I, think, I think me and you talked about on a different podcast. It's like, 
Kid Cudi does an Instagram post and gets an immediate response from the mayor and the mayor's team, right? Mm. And there are people getting evicted from mobile homes. There are people that, uh, you know, are homeless out on the freeway exits. You know, there's a lot of more problems with humanity in Cleveland. And I just don't think you have a balanced approach. Oh, I know. It, it is my strong opinion. I know we don't have a balanced approach. They just focus on the things that's in their cognizance. And if you're in one of these outside neighborhoods, they literally can't see you. They can't see you. So one of the opposing uh, councilmen, you know, I know we're going to get to that, you know, stand up and said for this, hey, what about the shootings on Kinsman? What about the shootings here? What are, he literally was naming block after block after intersection after intersection. You know, what about these shootings? What about that shootings? And, you know, um, he's right. He's right. He's been right. Everybody's uh, uh, Everybody's been yelling about this, but into the void. You know, we in Cleveland, you have these suburbans that they, like, I don't think Bobby George lives in the city. Somebody's like, Bobby George is going to run for mayor and he's going to win. I don't even think Bobby George lives in Cleveland. You know, you know what I mean? He probably, he probably doesn't. Yeah, so... He probably is, I mean, with their kind of money, they're Pepper Pike or... Yeah, and the biggest donors, <laughs> Republican and Democrat, because he's certainly not the only Republican, and uh, even Democrats, they live in Hunting Valley. They live in all these places. Right. and And they run Cleveland because they kind of put the big money into the big candidates. Right. And this is their interest. This is what they care about. And so we can all agree we need to worry about crime. But... You know, this is a Chomsky um, topic. There are no unworthy victims. There are no unworthy victims. Every victim should be, uh, you know, we should take the same approach. We should take to anybody, care, right, care right. and concern. Right. So that's that's yeah, that's think, my I, view of the thing. I think that's a very good point. Um, but also, it is also, I think that, look, I can't argue with that point. I mean, it is, it is obvious that's what happened, is that, you know, a crime, crime and mass shootings hit Cleveland affluence, Cleveland elite, and it hit in an area where the Cleveland affluent frequent a lot, right? This is where they go to lunch. This is where their offices are. They have a lot of lawyer offices there. I'm guilty of it. I lived on West 9th. Mm -hmm. I worked on West 3rd. I went to lunch and partied on West 6th for six, seven years. Right. I'm guilty of it as well. Right. And so, but and, and we gloss over it when it happens in East Cleveland, when it happens on the east side of Cleveland, when it happens in other neighborhoods, but now it's a big deal. Um, though that is, I think we're both saying that there's many different aspects here that are correct. What I want to, I just want to emphasize is that, is that I love when community steps up to try to make the community better, right? And I think that too often we say, what's wrong? And we leave. And I really appreciate Bobby George saying, no, we are not going to capitulate. We're not going to let them win. We have to figure out a way. I'm sick of the city going to shit, whatever. Runs for mayor. He doesn't run for mayor. I don't care. Maybe he probably, and you know what? He probably does live in Cleveland. He probably has an empty apartment somewhere that he never sees, but he has his mail going there. Very true. Very he true. Probably, he probably, he probably can run for Cleveland if he wants to, you know? If so, he's registered there, right? Yeah, he if probably is, but he doesn't live there. He probably know. is, you yeah. know? If you have that kind of money, you can Right. right. You have houses all kinds of all over the place. He has tons of interests in like the, that main area there, downtown, Tremont, West 25th, right. uh, Irishtown Bend, all this. He right. has a lot of places. Right, right. So anyway, I, I just, I, I did appreciate that, but you do have a really good no, point. No, I don't, yeah, I, I appreciate that as well. And, and so this goes to the city council meeting 
Justin Bibb, uh, which is the mayor of Cleveland, he boycotts the city council meeting. And what it, traditionally we're supposed to do is the mayor comes to the city council meeting with- Or, or his chief of staff or, or something. Or his chief of staff. But I think this one is a special meeting. So it was supposed to be him and his uh, department heads. So all go into the city council meeting. Well, they because of the violence, they boycott it. Am I correct with this so far? Be, be, they allege they boycotted it because they knew Polensic was going to get up and rail against the mayor and for how this is the worst it's ever been, which I've heard this. So they, they claim they got a press release and who's or Polensic? a letter. Mike Polensic is um, Colin, Colin Wood's councilman, okay. Ward 10, let's say. It's either Ward 8 or Ward 10, but I think Ward 10. So, you know, he wrote, I think he, it wasn't a press release. I think he wrote them a letter, you know, demanding, you know, answers and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to address this at the council meeting. And, you know, so they were on notice that, you know, I, I don't, is my nature to call it grandstanding? I mean, this is a real issue. It needs a real fix. But they, you know, the mayor is like the best politician ever. So he grandstands a lot. He just grandstanded on this issue like three weeks, four weeks ago, blaming judges, saying like some some defendant was out on bond and did another crime. So he took the opportunity, him and I think Kerry McCormick, to call a press conference, say, these judges got to get tough on crime. These judges, you know, there's nobody better at grandstanding than Mayor Bibb himself. So he, I think he knew what was going to happen at that meeting, which if you watch, anyway, go ahead. Yes. That's, no, I don't know what to say. Continue. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it wasn't because of the shooting. It was more because the Blaine Griffin, uh, the, the president of city council, who knows what other councilman, but they knew Polensic was going to stand up and lambaste the mayor. Right, who they don't have him. a great relationship and, and, and honestly, with. And, and, and so can we just call this maybe smart political intuition to say, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to show up. Like, why would I put myself in a position where Cleveland.com, the plane dealer, um, uh, scene or whoever can go in there and write, and write articles about how city council is getting tough on the mayor for not doing his job. Is that not good political instinct? Well, I mean, it's hard to criticize Mayor Bibb because I don't really know what he's accomplished much in his life. And, and he dominated the mayoral election at the youngest age ever, youngest. like Second youngest. I, yeah, was, was I, okay, I thought Kucinich was a young councilman. I don't know which one of them is younger and they got appointed when they won mayor. But... Um, it's hard to criticize his political results and how he's gotten here to this point. That's a good point. It's really hard to criticize that. That's that a good being point. said, me personally, I don't give a shit what people think about me. You know, like I said, I'll I'll, I'll run around the streets naked with Will Ferrell. You know what I mean? Please don't. I, I will. And and it, it, are you really there to win the next election? To become senator? To to. Uh, massage this in the press the your way because then that's what they did. The next morning, him and council president had a meeting. The articles were written that kind of right, way, right? You know things like that. So him and his team are are very savvy from a political perspective. But again, I don't see anything different than Jackson and White in the approach. And 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 I do think that city council, all of them were grandstanding. They've been in charge. The mayor only been in charge a year and a half. That's it. He's only overseeing. This is kind of like a Trump-Biden issue. Everybody thinks that the state of the country is Trump's fault. Trump has had... You mean Biden's fault? What's that? You mean Biden's fault? Well, I'm talking about from the Democratic loyalist perspective. Oh, from Trump. Oh, okay, okay. I think, I think meant like everything you know, The 81 million fault. people that came out to vote against Trump think that 
the state of the country is Trump's fault. And okay. we can't have Trump again. We can't have Trump again. But in reality, you know, if it's one of their two's fault uh, in terms of who's had influence over policy, well, Biden's been in charge for 40 years. Mike Polensic has literally oh, been I, in I, charge. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Mike Polensic has literally been in charge of Collinwood. He's been their representative. He's for had the mayor. For 26 years. No, for... Like forty years. I thought it was. I thought it was thirteen terms. I just read it. 13 yeah, terms, yeah, but a lot years. of those terms are four-year terms. It was two years at a certain point. These oh. are four-year terms for the very, you know, for most of our <laughs> so, lifetime. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so everybody who's listening to this, like, um, Collinwood is a predominantly black neighborhood, except for where Polensic lives. Is that correct? Where he like lives right on like. He probably lives on the water, but I don't know. Right. I don't. I don't know where he lives. I don't know the demographics perfectly. Um, you know, I think a lot of law enforcement did live there when you had to, uh, law enforcement, fire, EMS, when you had to live in, live the, in the city, city to right. work in the city. I think a lot of people live in Collinwood. That rule has long been thrown out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say, uh, uh much of Collinwood has become kind of, there, there's a lot of poverty there and decline, mm-hmm. you know, in, over his long term, over his 40 years. That's insane. That's insane. And, and every, this is not term new. Term limits, DeBello, term limits. Term limits. I mean, I, I just, I, I jump on this nonstop, but, but, you know, that's, it's, it's not necessarily like he's grandstanding. Nobody wants crime, but they have had way more say over the direction of this city than Mayor Bibb. And I, you know, I'm not the first guy to defend Mayor Bibb. That's not me. But let's tell it like it is. Right, right. You know, Joe, uh, how long has Griff been in uh, office? I want to say about 10 years or something, maybe maybe two and a half terms. He, I think he worked for the Mayor Jackson before he became a, a Ward 6's councilman. He's my family's councilman in Little Italy. Um, so maybe more than 10, maybe 14. He, he, he's been around. He's not new. Right. You know, some of those councilmen are new. This is their first term. Um, Kenneth Starr, Rebecca Moore, uh, Stephanie House, although she was represented at the state level. And they all got their turns on the mic, the same way they do at the budget hearings. They all got their tur- turns on the microphone. But they don't really exert any of their power leverage to change policy. And frankly, I'm kind of thankful for that because... What were you hearing on Wednesday night? We need more cops. We need the National Guard. They're saying we need the National Guard in here. You know, things like this. That old school way of thinking, you know. And so um, they've had power, way more so than Mayor Bibb. Um, A lot of them had good relationships with Frank Jackson. But, you know, um, it's tough. It's tough to sit here and say that, that we know the fixes. But I know city council don't know the fixes. Yeah, so what do you think the solution then is? Okay, so well, we could harp on that. Uh, you know, it's the city council's fault for 40 years. The decline of the city. The city used to have almost a million population back in the 50s. Now we're pushing three, 360. Um, I'm gonna, I, I have a lot to say about Cleveland, and we, we've said a lot to say about Cleveland. But what, what is the solution? And you say, oh, this is an old school way of, say, of thinking of National Guard. But look, let's, let's think about like, what is actually happening in the police force. There's cops under indictment right now. Um, I think not like one or two, but like what twenty for corruption and uh, you know um, what, what's the word? Um, what, what? For, uh, force, excessive force. Well, I mean, there's excessive force. There's there's shaking down people, like stopping people oh. and shaking them down. Remember, like people would the cops would stop people 
take their money, let them go. But it, like, that's why people were, you know, that there's like, but there's like 20 of them, you know, there is, there's a police force. I mean, that's just the things that are happening within the police force. There's, we're missing, I think, 220 something police officers that are. Yeah, maybe even more. Maybe even more. So we, we are short like 200 plus police officers in, uh, in, in the city itself. And this is, you know, a city that is quite expansive that needs presence. We have the lowest uh, paid big, big city police force in the state of Ohio. Like you could get, you know, 10, 20% more if you just go to Columbus. And so they're, they're underpaid here in Cleveland. So it's like, I don't know how, how the argument could be. Um, we don't need more officers. Uh, we do have a lack of policing in Cleveland, but getting more police is a bad thing. And, and I think I think Polensis, I, hold on, I think Polensic actually said this. He said, he said, if you think that we don't need more police officers, then you're smoking crack. He said, yeah, yeah here's the thing. Well, you know what, council, or he said, then here's the thing I hear. Well, you know what, councilman, there's no correlation between violence and the number of police officers working the streets. Is somebody smoking crack? And I think he's right. I don't think he's right. Um, so what? You just don't have a police force and you no. think that crime is going to go away? No, it's not that. Or it's a substantial just, police force? It, it's just you have to attack the root causes of crime. So in Bay Village, do you even know how many police officers you have? I think Back we, where where yeah. I'm from, Cheshulon, do, do we know how many police officers we have and yet how much crime is there? So I, I tell you right now, we've, we walked down the street for five minutes. We're going to see a police officer. Okay, fair enough. But again, this is a much smaller place, right? You know, and, and crime is definitely unequivocally correlated to poverty and, edu Agreed. and education. Agreed. Unequivocally. And so if you believe it's socioeconomic and if you look at other cities, other suburbs, and this is why this is a big problem for the Democrat for the Democrats, is every time you see this in Chicago, in Cleveland, in San Francisco, it you're not going to win elections at any level because a lot of the country don't live in these cities. Right. You know, and, and uh, I, I'm not, I've never smoked crack in my life. I've, I've did a little gummies, you know, marijuana or whatever. I've never <laughs> smoked crack in my life. I was probably the only uh, candidate as I, saying, no, you have, have to actually get to the root causes of crime. You cannot defund public education. You, you know what I mean? You, you have to attack poverty. You, you, you know, we have wealth divide culture in Cleveland. So they don't, in my opinion, and I argued this on the campaign trail, they don't see the correlation between giving my tax dollars as a resident to Dan Gilbert as opposed to some seven-year-old in the second grade in a public school. Right. They don't see the correlation with the crime. They right. don't get it. And, and, right. and so that's my argument. If you do wealth divide politics and policies, you're going to get a lot of crime. Right. You're going to get a lot of crime. And I, and I agree. And I agree. It's, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, one, they won all. But I will say that the argument against uh, the argument against getting more police because that is the old way to do it. And you said that and a lot of people you know, traditionally say that, oh, it's not about how many cops you have. We just, you know, it's, it's about getting to the root cause. Well, no, no, no. You need, first of all, you need both of them. You, you can't, need both, yeah. You can't have, you can't have, a, gut, you can't have a gutted out police, police force and say, oh, we have to cut, you know, get to the cause. You need a police force. There are people that assume I, have an, I am an abolitionist. I am not. I am not an abolitionist. That being said, there's a ratio, there is a balance, you know what I mean? But, and you, you don't even have to stay within America. You can go to any continent, any country, any city, you know what I mean? 
and, and understand that if you help raise your citizenry to as to you know in America, here's another part of the root cause of crime. In America, we have 12 Fast and the Furious movies. We have the Terminator movies. You see gun shooting all the time. You see it all the time. You know what I mean? So we raise our kids this way, right? My favorite video game play growing up was Mortal Kombat. Now, I'm not against movies and video games. Mortal Kombat was sick. It was sick. It was fucking Mortal sick. Mortal Kombat 2. Fatality. I'm going to decapitate you. You know, <laughs> I'm going to eat your head off. You know, things, I'm going to, you know, blow a fire and burn you. You know, things like this. So, when you raise your culture... Bro, this you, way, know, you know how, it's funny because you mentioned that, because you know how, like, mild that is now? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so mild, but at the time, people were, like, parents were, up, like, in an uproar. Like, I can't believe that's out there. We're, what are we teaching our kids? And now I'm looking back and go... That's not so bad. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have Republicans, and this is another thing Bib blamed it on, was this new uh, getting away, getting, doing away with concealed carry at the state level. So Bib has now blamed judges and Republicans at the state level. And I literally called this out in the campaign. I said, these people do not have any solutions for crime. And, you know, again, my solution is no quick fix. It's a more holistic kind of ground-up approach. Uh, you know, just public schools and programming and and things like that, but he blamed the Republicans at the state level for something that happened very recently. That's, if you followed Frank Jackson's 16 years, he blamed the Republicans all the time while him and Kevin Kelly were going down there lobbying with Republicans to not raise the minimum wage. Well, guess what happens? Take, take it to its extreme. What if the minimum wage was $2? What if that was it? Just, not just for tipped wait, waiters and waitresses, for everybody. What would people be doing? They'd be taking more money. They'd be stealing more. You know what I mean? So if you can't make a penny, you'll take a penny. The economy is shit. They say that these uh, progressive field deals is going to bring jobs. This uh, Sherwin-Williams deals is going to bring jobs. Things like that. That's very scant. That's the opportunity cost there is, I don't believe, correct. Yes, they bring jobs. Not more so if we would use the money in a more holistic way, not a crony capitalist uh, corporate way. You know, things like this. So... You gotta have a different society if you want less crime. Again, I'm not an abolitionist. I'm not for Bay or Cleveland saying we don't need any cops. That's not true. But what is cops really? They're law enforcement. They enforce the law. They don't prevent law breaking. They enforce the laws once it's been broken. If you wake up, if you never had a mental uh, a mental health issue and you wake up bipolar one day in your 30s because that's the onset for a lot of people when you're 30 and you just say I've been playing Call of Duty I'm gonna go do Call of Duty today you know because now you have a mental health disease and you can get guns in this country fairly easy well guess what no uh, no nothing is gonna stop that you just need the police to subdue the thing as immediately as possible so you do need police but to think that police more putting more money into police is going to bring you less crime. I just don't agree with that. I just don't agree with that. You know, and I, I do agree with you. Um, and I, I, we're on the same page. And, and one of the biggest, one of the things that, you know, we've been ranting about, about on this podcast for a long time in our discussions is about how money is spent. Look, we both don't want $800 million to go to a new jail. Could be spent better, right? And again, I don't think that Chris Ronane, or I'm not, not Chris, I'm just saying the county executive whoever's itself, in whoever's yeah. in charge, actually knows how to run a fucking jail or else that jail that's there now would be ran properly. So it's like, 
the analogy I, I use is like, you buy your kid a car, he gets speeding tickets, DUIs, crashes a couple of times and then wants a fucking Porsche. No, you don't know how to drive the car, kid. And so it's like, you're not gonna get the new jail. The Browns, they're not gonna get a dome stadium. In my opinion, they shouldn't. They probably will, but they shouldn't. <laughs> they, they could have whatever they wanted if the owners pay for it. could pay for it. They could have whatever they right. want. I'm talking about from tax yeah, dollars. Yeah, from tax dollars. Right? The, the, the misappropriation of ARPA money that went to the county executives or the county, the county um, uh, council and went for golf courses and stuff like that instead of you know investing into the community, that was absolutely you know messed up. So now, right, just by talking, me and you now, we are looking at $2 billion that we know is gonna come out of the Cleveland taxpayer uh, pockets that can go invest in the community. And at the same time, we're losing population, but, pe but job, people are, and companies are moving here to Ohio. The, fa the fact is, is they're not moving to Northeast Ohio enough. And what we do see here in Northeast Ohio, we're probably going to get into this a little bit when we're talking about Sherrod Brown and, and housing. Um, but the way I look at it is that we just see the way that cities, the way that everything is ran is all we do is see a, um, a trail of destruction from the, inner, from the cities all the way out to the newest suburbs. And so if you have somebody from, we just mentioned Collinwood, Collinwood, uh, Slavic Village, everybody got the fuck out of there. They moved to Bedford, Randall. Uh, Garfield, and sooner or later, everybody got the fuck out of there, and then they moved to Bedford, you know. Um, you can't run from these problems. Then everybody got the fuck out of there, and they moved to, to um, you Florida. know. Florida. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they're still, they're still going out in the, in the right, suburbs. Right, right, right. And, and, and then you have, uh, you know, uh, wherever, and then you go, Macedonia has new builds, and then they just keep running the fuck away. And then this trail of destruction is you have strip malls and rundown properties and, and decapitated housing and lower incomes and, you know, and worse and worse schools year over year. And we just have this perpetuation of this. All sad. And, 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 so, and so instead of trying to figure out how to prevent this, we continue to perpetuate it. And I don't know how to bring people. The, the fact is, Cleveland it was built for a, a, a population of a million. We can't run this damn city with 360,000 people with the tax base and think that they we're going to grow. We need to get people back in here. So I want to go back to uh, just looking at what Columbus is doing. Columbus, and again, I think this could be just part of the issue, is, is like if you, have, um, if you have a seat of power, that's where the money's going, right? So richest city in the United States right now, richest biggest city, Washington, D.C. Highest, highest wages, fuck ton of money. Why? All the power brokers are there. Money's gonna pour into DC, right? Uh, Columbus right now is getting new chip factories, new Amazon data centers, lots of investment. Population is grow growing. I mean, it used to be on par with Cleveland. Now it's almost hitting a million. Um, you know, and what happens is we have all of our power brokers in there. And like you just said, you have Frank Jackson going down there to lobby in Columbus. Why? Because that's where the power is. So what's going to happen is more money's going to flow in there. We need to find a way to get businesses here to Northeast Ohio. One of the things that everybody keeps talking about is that. Oh, there's nowhere to put businesses. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's not enough land for a day. They started bullshit. Have you, have you driven down <laughs> some of these streets? Like half the houses are gone. Like if we just had a collective effort or like, um, you know, the, like warehouses that were massive factories back in the day are just sitting there abandoned. And we're not doing anything with the land. We're not reallocating it. We're not trying to do anything. You know, and last thing my rant is, is that I, here's my pet peeve about cities. Cities want investment, but they do not um, enforce responsibility. Over here on the corner of Columbia and Detroit, there's an old KFC that is not there anymore. 
And so KFC comes in, builds this fucking KFC looking building. Nobody wants to go into KFC. It's like, it's like Pizza Hut, right? The only place that go to the Pizza Hut. used to be conjoined a lot. Pizza Hut, well, KFC. Yeah, yeah exactly. Taco Bell something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, you know what a Pizza Hut looks like. Yeah. It looks like a damn Pizza Hut. Right, and you know who goes in there now? It's like the the, the Chinese the, the Chinese restaurants. So it's like oh, the old Pizza Hut now is a new Chinese restaurant. So you have this over or building over there. You have the strip mall over here on Detroit as well, and it's like you have all these uh, empty stores. But the 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 big companies like like Pizza Hut or KFC build these things, then leave because they want to move. They have no responsibility to take down that abandoned building. And to be perfectly honest with you, I know people have been doing studies to say, hey, the broken windows theory doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on how you feel about your community. Bullshit. A, a, an abandoned building at the corner of one of our busy intersections does not look good and people have a feeling about that. That should not be there. So I want corporate responsibility when it comes to, hey, if you're gonna build a place and then, you're, and then it's not gonna work out and you're gonna take the profits, you gotta you gotta take that tear down that damn building when you go and turn that into a park or at least make it neutral so somebody can come build up again. But now that's the city's problem, right? And it's all across Northeast Ohio, Southgate's like that. Like what is what is a place like uh, Maple Heights or Randall gonna do for Southgate? Southgate, you can't. They don't have the yeah, money to tear that down and turn it into a park. Yeah, you gotta You're never gonna get it, right? And so what are you gonna do? You're gonna have shitty places in there, abandoned stuff, uh, broken windows, a, a bump, uh, you know, a pothole parking lot. You're, you're, it's like you're it's like you're perpetuating this this trail of destruction out of cities out of suburbs and we're not trying to figure out how to rebuild and that's what happened with cleveland and i 100 I agree with you it's like where is the money going to come from to entice people to come to northeast ohio bring those jobs to bring that revenue to build it up and i don't see anybody doing that it, i mean i don't sorry for my little rant no 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 I, I think i think a lot of that was extremely well said I, you know beyond public education too right like there's a lot of work from home now. I mean, more Clevelanders could be working. Like I work from home, my wife works from home, but you gotta, you you gotta have a literate, a literate populace, and you gotta have job trained populace. You know things like this. So, because if you can't get the next chip factory in Cleveland, but you can get it in Columbus, well, you could still maybe work for the for the company in Columbus if you had the qualifications and education to do it. You know things like that. So, we again. I harp on it all the time. We do wealth divide politics in in Cleveland in the country and in the country as well, but certainly Cleveland. And nobody wants to draw that correlation between poverty, you know, and homelessness. And like you're saying, abandoned buildings, uh, businesses that have gone bankrupt or left before they went bankrupt, and the state of the place and real estate values and and just the backwardsness. Like you say, perpetuating backwardsness as opposed to moving forward, you know, with progress. I mean, I'll, I'll say something nice because we should say something nice. Finally, they took some of this ARPA money and they're getting new rapid transit trains, right? That's a thing for the public. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the trains and the rapid, there's a um, stigma like, I don't want to ride public transit. Or, you know, it's, it's old, it's, it's dirty, you know, things like that. And so that's a good investment into the public here like you said the place is built for a million well it was originally built with tower city being that hub of all the lines from the rapid it was really cool i mean it was arguably like groundbreaking now all these other countries have these phenomenal yeah inter intercity trains and even i think from country to country trains and you know people have have waned on wanting to take our trains because that's just the way it is. That's what we've prioritized, you know, six freeways and shitty trains. Well, now at least they finally got some good trains, but you need educated people. You need 
beautiful, you need a beautiful place, like you're saying, you need to beautify the place and that will make a company want to plant a flag here. I, 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 I agree is, um, when it comes to the trains, I think that Look, I, I'm a big public transportation fan. I mean, I lived in countries and places with public transportation, and I never had a car for... I, I have a car for the first time in 20-plus years, you know, because of public transportation. And to be honest with you, I fucking hate it because I hate the insurance, I hate the payments, I hate all that stuff, I hate the oil changes, I hate the charging, I hate whatever the hell it is. Just, I fucking hate it. Uh, can somebody I, else please, please deal with that? I could not agree more. Um, with that said... I think Cleveland is doing uh, public transportation wrong because yeah. because not only is it that there's, I don't think it's not that there's not enough money or not enough. Is I don't think they're prioritizing what they really want public tra transportation to do. Like the other day, I was out in Strongsville and there was a fucking bus line in fucking Strongsville, and it, from and there's a bus line that comes all the way over here to Bay, and there's bus lines that go into Solon, and it's like if we have if you have to have public transportation in air quote to take care of the county, which is absolutely huge, uh, that, you know, in, in most of these places, they don't, they don't even use it. It's like, we're really wasting money. And I know there's a couple of people coming from Strongsville and Solon and, and, and Bay Village that's going to ride it, you know, whatever. But you're really spreading yourself thin if you have to service all of the county. And I think there needs to be a, uh, me and my, I personally think there needs to be a better, a better system of let's focus on a certain area, a certain compact, small area and do it really, really, really well in Cleveland. Let's service this very, very, very well with consistent, um, timely, um, frequent buses. And I'm not talking about every half hour. I'm talking oh, about no, yeah. every 15 Seven minutes, minutes, 10, minutes, 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, that's the thing about when I lived abroad. It's like, if I went out there and I missed my bus, I knew that another one was coming about five minutes later. So it's like, I'm not going to be late for anything. You miss a bus and a half hour schedule, you're done. You know, you're late for work. You know, oh, you don't we have that in Cleveland in spades for sure. Oh, yeah. And they, the bus doesn't come mm -hmm. sometimes. So I would say you pick a, a footprint within Cleveland and you do transportation, public transportation really, really well. And then you figure out how you get companies to come in and do the, that last mile transportation or that subset or, you know, that um, uh, satellite transportation. And I don't know if that's working with companies like Lyft and Uber. I don't know if the RTA actually has a, a paper or a uh, scheduling kind of system where you schedule places that could take you to the main lines or whatever, where uh, maybe like a van or a bus just comes around and every day you have to be for a certain time, put it in an app that tells all the people that need transportation, you go do a swing around, get people to work, you know? I, I don't know what no, it is, no. but it, there's but the way that we're doing it right now really takes a spread yeah. thin. Me and you, are, we are not transportation engineers. I only say that to say finally the public got got a little piece of the pie and if you don't improve the the quality of life for the public like you're saying why would you know name some company you know why would they plant their flag here if if you know property values are horrible and they don't and you don't have a, a hope that hey if i buy this piece of land at least it's going to you know, grow with the size of the market. No, I, I, can, I agree with you, and that's yeah. what I'm trying to say with, the, with with transportation. But here's what I'm worried about: is like, okay, everybody was, you know, Sherrod Brown and Chantel Chantel Brown, not related. If anybody listening, mm -hmm. um, you know, are at this ribbon cutting thing of getting the hundreds of millions of dollars for these new trains. Like, that's great. It's great pictures, but are they going to be implemented properly? And that's what I'm saying. It's like 
fuck spending the money if they're not implemented properly. Just putting trains on a train track and running the same system that really doesn't really work for Cleveland is not doing things. Well, I, again, I would say it you works. Know what I'm I, I would say oh, it works if if you. So you you say that that I our take public, public transportation. You say that it works for the city in the best way it possibly. No. Can. Absolutely, Absolutely not. fucking not. No, but but what I'm saying is it. And still now the has and it. now the RTA, our RTA director, is getting is going to be the, oh, no, the the highest paid uh, public transportation director in the country. Yeah, right. For what? What I'm saying is, t- tr- take the take a bus or the rapid on a Browns Sunday. The potential is still there. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100 percent. And so again, the only way you're going to um, fulfill that potential is to invest in it and correct the wrongs. So you're saying, hey, we're perpetuating decline in wrongs. Well, we've got it. Again, we can argue about the jail and public transportation, all this. What I'm saying is stop doing crony capitalism. At least focus on the public. At least focus on the public. I mean, I agree with you, but I I also like to talk about solutions. And no, we're not fucking uh, transportation engineers, but we're also not economists. We're also not uh, the mayor of Cleveland. We're also not city council members. We're also not a lot of things. So we're talking out of our ass half the time. And everybody knows that. But I'm just saying that the Democratic Party will continue to lose. Like, yes, to your point, you're going to continue to get these buildings that have been left, you know what I mean, And, and decline. But furthermore... Right now, if you're a Republican candidate, all you say is, look at these Democrat-run cities. Look at these Democrat-run cities. 100%. And there's, and there's legitimacy to that. And, and the Democrats locally would be like, well, look at the Republicans at the state level. Look at the Republicans. At... And so it's this blame game. But the reality is there's nothing worse to bring it back around than a mass shooting downtown for the perception of what the heck is going wrong. Well, to bring it back around to my point is that there's nothing worse than getting a lot of money and misallocating it. Yes. And yes. and and I and I can't, I can't say that even though everybody says public transportation is a honestly is a key public transportation in the American in many American cities besides New York um, and Chicago or a couple American cities like maybe DC is just a buzzword to make fucking people happy about uh, public spending. Because Amer- because American public transportation is absolute dog shit. Right, it is dog shit. Our trains suck. Our buses suck. Our rapids suck. You know, and they, and they, they're all complete dog shit. And I don't care if anybody gets offended about no, that. Go to another country and you'll realize that. One hundred percent. You go, go to Japan. I promise you, you're gonna be like, oh, this is what public transportation looks like, right. or China, or Korea, or whatever. You know, Italy, any, anywhere, anywhere. And so, when I see money being spent, I think about. Is, am I going to get, it's like anything, am I going to get my money's worth? And am I going to get my money's worth about new transits, trains here in Cleveland? I don't think so, because I just don't think it's ran properly. And again, again, if we looked at who would be using it and how to actually condense and consolidate uh, the, the budget of the RTA and the lines and the uh, equipment that we have, and we did it really well, really, really, really well from, say, maybe East 140th all the way to maybe the West, West 117th. East, east 200 to west 200. But let's just do that right there, right there, and, and cut out a lot of these cities to the south and just, just consolidate everything and all the power and the money right in that area, I think would do a better job. And then you would have these, city, these, these uh, people and whatever going like, oh, wow, there's a bus every 10 minutes? Well, uh, again, I, I really kind of don't think we're arguing. And actually, I don't think that would be that big. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. I don't think we're arguing about different things. I don't I, think we're I, arguing I, at all. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> I, we're not arguing at all. What, what, what I'm saying is... An, it can't go to the rocket mortgage field house. I, I, I do yeah. agree with exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not because you're exactly right. When you do a jail, when you do transportation, when you do public schools, when you do the police, 
You got to do it right. You right. got to do it right. And, and there's no doubt about that. But if you completely divest from the public, you're going to have homelessness and poverty and, and I, crime. That I Cleveland do. Has. I do agree with that. But I. But I again. And I know we're probably just going too far on this, and I, no, I, I we're be saying the same it. thing over and over, over again for someone who's listening, is that yes, invest in the public, but don't just put money into the public and think that you've done your job. Correct. And 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 blindly putting money somewhere to, for a photo op or whatever without actual results from that money, then I say is also still a waste of money. Oh, you know the photo ops bother me. You know the photo ops bother me. I, I want results. I, I want results. <laughs> if you're going to give $200 million to a, a rapid transit line, I want to see higher ridership. I want to see higher... Uh, that that $200, $200 million needs to make a billion dollars. Oh, I It needs agree. to make a billion dollars like in five years. And if you don't, agree. then what the fuck are you spending it on? One of my things was a public bank, which you know, based on interest and time value of money and, and infrastructure, you know that would turn a profit for you. You know, but... Nonetheless, yes, we, we have digressed from the West 6 shooting, but people that want to, th- what I'm saying is people that want to think more cops, no, you need a certain amount of cops, but you need a good community, civility, 100%. raising young kids, you know, things uh, 100%. like that. 100%. Let's, let's talk about uh, Sherrod Brown. Oh, this, this is a good segue. Yes. Oh, this is a great segue. And there's a new Senate bill that aims to curb corporate investors from buying up single-family homes. Legislation will put tax break, would pool tax breaks from investors who buy 50 or more single-family rentals, um, apparently, uh, here's some statistics. In Texas, for example, institutional investors per- purchased 28% of the homes in 2021. In Georgia, was, the share was 19%. Um, U- Harvard University um, and the Joint Center for Housing Studies, I'm sorry, the Joint Center of Housing Studies for Harvard University uh, put out a paper release that said eventual purchases made by made that investor purchases made by those portfolios of at least 100 properties jumped 14% in December, September 2020 to 26% in September of 2021. So I guess my question is, do you think the government should put a cap on um, try to curb the companies buying single family homes for rentals? Manipulating the market. Yes, I think you could go a lot lower than 50. I think you could go a lot lower than 50. You know, and because this is another thing we deal with in Cleveland, like out of state, you know, landlords who can't be found, can't be dragged into court. That was actually a big discussion uh, during your mayoral races. You know, I remember Bib being one of them going around to a lot of houses saying, like, hey, you need some repairs there. Like, we can't get a hold of our landlord. Our landlord doesn't even live here. You know, it's a shell game. Yeah, it's a shell game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's very easy to do, especially in Cleveland, where houses are going for thirty, forty thousand dollars. Right. If you, not less. Or if, if not less, yes, you can buy a whole yes. a whole street, and nobody, get, you know, it really doesn't even hurt your portfolio. Right. Right. And, and if you're somewhere in the vicinity of Cleveland Clinic, and Cleveland Clinics are going to build up more, you know, getting toward your your street of dilapidated homes, then all of a sudden you're your hold strategy, which probably gets you these tax breaks. I don't, I'm not in this line of work. I don't know the first thing about it, just like we talk about on a lot of topics. But it's almost become, why are there so many dollar stores? Why are there so many corporations owning this street of, of broken down houses? Or, you know, where there might still be a couple people in the houses. Some of them are just kind of boarded up. Right. And you, you couldn't even find who owned them if you tried. Right. So, um, 
this is a great idea to build. My wonder is, is this a campaign commercial or is it real? Because me and you talked about like AOC and Matt Gates doing a stock bill, stock trading ban bill. And I mean, I think we both came to the conclusion, this is not going to happen. This is never going to get passed through. This is, you know, and, and I can't remember what other um, senators were on it with Sherrod Brown, but Sherrod Brown's up for re-election. Sherrod has been anti-stock trading for representatives. Uh, it's a populist cause. People who, uh, in Cleveland, this actually matters to. Um, being, able to being able to have a landlord that's responsive and caring. Of course, they're going to charge you rent. You sh will have to pay your rent. Of course, that's fair. But you can't have leaks. You can't have broken stairs. If you need handicap access, you need handicap access. And these out-of-state, and I think even out-of-country corporations are buying up these properties as a shell game and a tax game. And so while I don't know all the ins, of out, ins and outs of it, we need this bill. We need a bill like this. Um, I have many feelings about this and because first is, is I do know that there are, um, companies that are buying up real estate, you know, and it's not even just, uh, you know, commercial real estate, but it's, you know, single family homes and, uh, residential, you know, buildings and stuff like that and operating them. This is a thing. Um, and it goes back to the statement, you know, it's like we're going to own nothing and, and be happy about it, right? And, and I think that this is where we're kind of going with, with this. It's like we have to figure out how to get more ownership to the people and therefore we're going to have better communities and, you know, create that wealth and, and that, you know, movement of uh, social class and so, on, and so on and so forth. Um, So I... This is, is, this is definitely a thing that we have to, have to address. I don't know if the government should address it, though. And that's kind of like, I don't, I'm mixed about. Because I don't know if a bill like this would actually, one, do anything. I think 50 is a weird number. Um, and just say, I won't give you tax incentives for it is like also kind of weird, even though you still could buy them. That's, that's, that's weird. I know that there's um, foreign companies that are coming in to buy these things, too. I mean, anybody who says that China shouldn't buy property here, 100%. A Chinese company should not buy property in the United States, land or, or otherwise, or a Saudi company or But whatever. that's happening, right? Canadian, Canadian groups and Chinese groups. Or, or Canadian groups. If you're a foreign company, you should not be able to own land here. And you shouldn't be a foreign shell company that you know, is partnered with an American company um, buying land or, or, or houses here. I have this... When I heard this, here's what I thought. I, I, had, I know a guy... Remember po when Pokemon got really... Uh, Pokemon Go? No, Pokemon Cards. Oh, okay. Got really popular, like, around right before the pandemic or right during the pandemic, and you had Logan Paul and Jake Paul buying boxes of Pokemon Cards and, okay. and opening them on YouTube and shit like that. Well, one of the guys who was selling those cards, what I heard um, and from reliable sources is basically he made the market, is that he had, had a lot of money himself, and so he went around and he bought all the Pokemon boxes that were unopened, right? And so he had to kind of like corner the market of, or him and a couple people, corner the market of the Poke unopened Pokemon cards. And so he could get the box for you. And so if you wanted to gamble and see if you got your, you know... The best card, LeBron the, James. The, the LeBron James of Pokemon, your, your whatever, Pikachu or whatever it is. <laughs> I really don't know what it is. But right, right. 
you had to go to him and he would sell you this box for 50 grand and you, you got it and you got to open up all the new packages, you got to open up the part. So he cornered that market. Why? Because he went out there and bought it before it was popular and made the market, you know? So it's kind of like a company comes in here, finds a market, especially like Cleveland or the Cleveland suburbs who has a very low, I buried entry to be honest with you. You can still buy houses, family homes here for at least back in before a pandemic, $200,000 in great neighborhoods. You can't do that in most places. And so to buy up a swath of houses as a company and just ride that wave to go up or create the market yourself, say if you could come into say Bay Village or Rocky River or Westlake or Fairview or North Olmsted and buy up a couple uh, hundreds of million dollars worth of homes, you know, and invest there, you control that market. And when market goes up, you're creating the market. You're creating the market for the rent, you're creating the market for the real estate, you're creating the market for the sales, right? And all you have to do is make a little investment in a very easy, a low barrier to entry market like Cleveland, Ohio area. Is what you're referring to, are you talking about like manipulating scarcity? Because I know a lot of these people that are pissed off about affordable housing is like they are, they want there to be less supply. They're, they want there to be less supply so that Right. We can raise prices. Well, it's doing. I think it, well, you're basically just making the market. You know, you're yeah, just, making you're, the market. You're, you're making the market. You're you're being a market maker. You're you're buying up the homes. You're either selling for X because now you own all the homes. You can sell them to the individual and make a profit there, or you can rent them. You know, and basically you're you're charging whatever you want to charge because you are that market. You know, and it's very easy to do in a market like this. Even if you had a couple, even if you had a couple million dollars. I mean, imagine back in 2020, 2019, how many homes you could buy if you said, "I'm going to allocate two million dollars here in Bay Village." You can buy, what, 10, 20 homes? And next you know, you have all of that real estate. You know, you have all of that market. Yeah, I mean, if you don't build new housing and the population continues to grow now, maybe the population is not growing in some places, but I mean, it's pretty simple figure. If you don't build more housing and then a, a smaller group of profit-seeking interested parties, corporations, buy up the stock, then again, that's right. This the new group. Whatever, what's the new group? Millennials or Gen Z? I don't. You know, is going to have a harder time reaching home ownership, or, or it's going to be more than thirty percent of their. I, I disagree. I, dis- I don't know. Not, I, I disagree. It, these rents in some of these places are, are crazy. <clears throat> see, but here's the thing: we're, we're saying let's build new homes, and I think that's what we see here in Cleveland. That is the trail of tears that we have out to the suburbs. So it's like instead of living in a house, living in a neighborhood, making sure the neighborhoods are affordable and, and families can move in there and we have like a great community, people just leave to the new builds. And that's what we see. It's like, I don't want this old build. I want the new build. And it, it's honestly kind of comparable. So it's like, do I want to buy this house, the house that we're in right now, I probably could get on the market for a 350 or four? Or do I go out to Macedonia and buy a brand new $400 Pulte build? And that's what I think we're seeing. I mean, obviously this is not the, the lower income place, but it's like, but that's the problem. What's the incentive to stay in the cities? What's the incentive to stay here? And if the market is getting out of, out of, out of uh, you know, control where you can say, why would I not get a new Pulte build in Macedonia? And I have this old house that's built in 1946. Like, that's, I think that's where we're coming into. So it's like, what are we really? Yeah, I mean, affordable housing is a tough cookie to crack. Um, it seems like, it's, well, I also want people to stay in the cities too. Yeah. Again, once they, it's like, again, it's what happened with Saga Village. Saga Village emptied out, Ooh. and it went to Maple Heights. Maple Heights emptied out. It went to uh, Solon. Right. Solon's, you know, well, Solon's not emptying out, but you know no. what I'm saying. It's like, but it's like this trail of, yeah. of, of, we just leave it and go fucking build something new.
Yeah, no, I, I but I to get back to the bill, I don't think Bill Gates is you know a real estate corporation. I don't think Amazon. So these are like, and then there's you know contractors and this and that flippers. I don't think you need tax breaks on over 50 houses. I don't think you need it. Okay, there are people that need people that need support or need um, a stimulus, things like that, are regular people, right? Service industry workers, nurses, you know, things like that. That is who needs the support of what we call the government. So if you're a corporation that is about to purchase your 51st single family home, we're talking about single family homes. You, this is just like the stadium owners. You don't need any type of tax write-off, subsidy. You got 50 single family homes. Ross DeBello has one, you know? And so, and, and, and so. Ross, we gotta get you two, bro. No, but, but, but um, you know, the guy one street over from me in West Park, he just emailed a bunch of us neighbors and said, hey, listen, Lisa, or his neighbor, is moving to North Olmstead. She's gonna sell me the house, you know, before she puts on the market. I'm gonna do some fix-ups and I'm gonna try and, you know, I'm gonna rent it. it. I'm gonna, no, no, he's gonna try and rent it. Okay. And then he'll own it. I mean, he could resell right, it if he right. wants, but he's the next is her next door neighbor. So that guy's going for house number two. You know is, what is I mean? It, is it for sure? I'll buy it if he doesn't. No. <laughs> but I'm just saying. The point of the government is to serve the people. Right. You know, and, and I get it that whatever corporation is wants to buy House 51 is going to say, wait a minute, do you know how how many employees we have? Where you would be helping the people with it. Yeah, that that that's a perversion. So, so one thing is I don't know is what tax breaks are talking about. Well, let's go to Cleveland, something local. Let's go to say the Gordon Square area where you had it was a tax abatement oh, area. You know that area well. You know, and but there's tax abatement in, in uh, what were they called? Um um, what they call it recovery zones. What they call it? What was the opportunity zones? Opportunity zones, right? And so what what happened was what ha happened was is they allowed the tax, the property tax on the property, as if the property was not developed. So let's just say you had a single family home there that was built in 1938 and it was worth $50,000, you would only pay the tax on that home, no matter what you did to it. Tear it down, build something new, that tax was only $100 a month, $200 a month, um, until 10 years down the line. But after that, then, then the city would come in and reevaluate the, the value of the property and go, okay, that tax abatement has now ran off, ran out, now, you, now whoever owns this place has to pay the normal city tax. This encouraged a lot of developers to go into that area and build a shit ton of condos. Yes, fifteen-year tax abatement. It was a fifteen-year. Thank you, thank you, Mayor. Um, we have, but now we have. We Gordon Gordon Square has a shit ton of development. It wouldn't have been there otherwise. I don't really like the development, but I do like it's there. It's not affordable housing, but it is housing. So, like, you would say, "Oh, hey, thanks for building a building," and now you don't get any tax breaks. But is it sustainable? You know, if you don't have, like you said, if you don't have the employers with the good-paying jobs coming here for the population, is it sustainable? Because I literally know people who lived in like Tremont or these, I would call them expensive places, while the tax abatement was in place and then they literally move at the end of it. And so now- That's a good point. You know, there's is place, it sustainable? There's there's places that I, we were looking, when we were looking for a place to live, there were places that came up on the market that were really good places to live with a very good price. Townhomes, like there's one townhome, like right on a lake. It was like maybe for, 
I think it was maybe 270, 320 at the time. But they said there was only two years left on the tax abatement. And we're like, oh, what is that going to jump to? And we're like, oh, it's going to jump to like 700, 800 bucks a month. And we're like, fuck, no. That changes things big time. I mean, it was like 200 to yeah. like 800. Right. And we're like, there is no way. Right. We're out, you know? So that house, those places just didn't sell. Right, exactly. And so you're, you're, I think that's a really good point. It's, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, I might buy a place now for this tax abatement. And then, you know, when that runs out, I'm going to sell my place. But then again, will people buy it? And what, what's, what's that property going to go for once you know you're going to pay another six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month on top of the mortgage? Now we're talking about inflation rates. I'm sorry, we're talking that's, about the me, interest rates at like to me that's, six percent, seven percent, eight percent. That's why you got to invest in people first. And so, and you know, and, and that does mean getting um, good-paying jobs in, into a place. But uh, we that you just sent me that tweet like yesterday or two days ago. We do got to see more about the bill. I have my, again, I have my doubts that it's even a real thing because those corporations are generally the ones who Sherrod Brown and, and AOC and Matt Gates work for. So I have my doubts that if the richest institutions in the world, uh, I mean, we've seen this play out over time, over decades now, if, if the wealthy want or don't want a piece of legislation, that's generally what happens versus if, uh, if, people with no power, just you just have one vote every couple of years or four years or this year with an off election. But people that just kind of vote, that's why a lot of people stop voting. That You're not seeing legislation come out in favor of people. You're seeing legislation come out in, <laughs> in favor of groups that would own more than 50 single family homes. You know who needs to own a single family home? A single family. <laughs> like, right. It's pretty simple. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, you're... you're I think the last thing I want to say about that is, or there's two things I want to say about that, is that the first one is that, um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm blaming you for it, but it's... No, absolutely... but we have to learn more about it. We got to, you know... No, we, we definitely do have... Okay, so the first thing I wanted to say, and I remember now, is that I, my biggest thing is I don't really trust government to make policies when it comes to the market. And, and uh, one example I want to say is this EV tax credit. I hate the EV tax credit. I hate it so much for two reasons. Number one, Teslas and EVs were selling like fucking hotcakes before the government came in to say, I'm going to subsidize the sales of these to make it affordable for people. They were selling like hotcakes already. Are they selling more like hotcakes more? Yes. And I understand what they were doing is they're trying to get these supply chain on shore. They're trying to say, hey, batteries need to be made here. The uh, minerals for those batteries need to be made, get, come from America or something that we control. And I understand what they're trying to do. But you subsidize a market that was already hot, you know? Now this narrative is, and I hear a lot, is that um, and some, I, this meme or this video has been passed around, it's like, if it's a good product, you don't need to subsidize it. Well, first of all, EVs are great products, and you still don't need to subsidize it, and I don't know why they did that. Not only did he, they tank the, the price of anybody who bought a car pre-EV tax credit, so which means... Right, right, now what it's worth, yeah. Oh, well, me, I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, I, I bought my Tesla, I talked about, about I bought the Tesla, and now immediately, since the government's going to give you seventy five hundred dollars back on it, my car is immediately worth like seventy five hundred dollars less, <laughs> without new. taking in other new. Other now if it's factors, used, right. people are going to be like, "Why would I buy a used car when I could buy a new car for the same price?" Right. And so like everybody's just like totally, you know, they 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 shouldn't have had done anything. They just basically screwed again the average people that bought an EV, right? So I don't know if the government should even have anything to do with this. It, it just keep it with the market. But I do understand with that. The second thing is, is my buddy, I, I, I don't know 
through this whole conversation, basically, I'm trying to figure out what this means and if I actually agree with it or not. Um, but my buddy said, when I was talking, when I asked him about it, he said, um, this is down on the list of problems in the country. Um, and I just want to... No, I disagree with that. Well, I, and I, I, I disagree with that as well. Um, and then he said, close, close the effing border. <laughs> but that's another discussion. I think there's, we have a lot of buzzwords that we're using right now that I think are stopping conversation. And I think one is like nuance. Everybody says, oh, things are nuanced. I'm fucking sick of pe people saying nuance because that I mean, says... It's true, though. That says, I mean, things are nuanced, but I'm, I'm sick of people saying it. Why? Because it says, oh, there's conversation on either side and it's complicated. So instead of taking it to uh, position, instead of having that conversation, we just say, oh, it's nuanced. I, I'm sick of hearing that oh, word. Oh, don't let it stop you. Let it make you dig deeper. Yes. I'm, I'm sick of people saying it's nuanced. Number two is I'm saying that the government has a different part or, or government or the Congress or the government has bigger things to worry about, meaning that it's not what you want them to worry about. Therefore, it's not on your list of what the top thing is. So in my opinion, Congress, what should Congress be worried about? Yeah, sure. Worry about the border. Worry about Ukraine. Worry about housing. Worry about health care. Worry about... These are the top tier priorities that might be a, a couple dozen that they have to walk and chew gum and play, play uh, hacky sack at the same time right. in a congressional level because it's not yeah, just... Why do you want these jobs? This is exactly what you have to do. You, there's, there's a lot of priority things. This could be one of them. And so I hate when people say the government needs to focus on what's really important. Well, there's a lot of shit that's important. That's really important just because it's not important to you or your narrative or what you think is the number one thing of, of importance because... Border might be number one to that person. Healthcare might be number one for the other person. They're both equally as important. Maybe not equally, but depend, again. And they all uh, bleed into each other. They're, again, they're depending on what your priorities related, are. Related so there are well, this. Yeah. So so that's one other thing that just stops conversation. You know, because it's like, okay, you say it's not important, or they should work on more things important. That means that thing that I'm working on, you already you already confirmed with me that is not important to you, but it absolutely could be important. And the government needs to. The Congress needs to work on all of these very important issues at the same time. And, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate that comment because it just put a pecking order instead of saying, like, there's a lot of things we have to, we have to accomplish together. Right. And me and you, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for like two, three months or whatever. We talk about a lot of issues. Everything's important. Everything's dynamic. Uh, I can guarantee from living in Cleveland that affordable housing and corporations, foreign corporations kind of huge corporations um, where you can't get your voice heard from your landlord and, and, and the affordableness of when you're looking for houses is actually a significant problem to the population. Not me, like me and my wife, I'm, I'm good with my one single family home. I'm, I'm good with that. But for the residents of Cleveland and these other neighborhoods, like you're saying, even out in the suburbs, this is a real issue for people. So hopefully they don't, just ignore it. Hopefully they fight, they fight on it. Well, I, I think the thing is, is like, and I've, I was talking to other, other homeowners as well. Like, honestly, just, to, we, I had that party last week. Yeah, like yeah. I told you. And a lot of people were here where, it was one time, like all the neighbors were here. So like neighbors that never seen inside of our house came inside of our house and we got to, they got to see what we That's did so with it. That's so much fun when you see your neighbor's house. Well, because you're nosy. Time. Everybody's yeah, nosy everybody when to go to people's house. How do you do this? What do you got in there? I, yeah, so yeah. I remember my, my neighbor yeah. came over and I was like, you, you want to see inside? And she, she's like, she's like, she's like Oh, you know, it's okay. If I want to be honest with you, yeah, but you know, right, it's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't got to show me your shit, but I'd so, love so to see it. Yeah. yeah, she was really curious, and then yeah. we then we got to talk about like what she bought the house for, or whatever. And the, like one of the things that we, um, you know, pretty common thread about is is like you see something going on the market, and you see people coming in with cash offers, 
And everybody's just like, where the hell do these people come up How with cash, that? Yeah. cash offers all the damn time? And so it's either companies or it's people moving from out, out of state, like, you know, New York. A very more wealthy area. Very, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. they just have like a two bedroom apartment in New York, but they sold that motherfucker <laughs> and they could buy a house here cash. And right. so they're beating everybody to the market. And there's no like, the way that the market and the real estate market works right now leaves no, I guess, interpretation for conversations about what I want to pay for a house and how I'm going to do it. If somebody comes in with a cash offer, they're just like, cash, not even looking at it, they, they, they say, I don't want to do the inspections, we'll take your house. And the seller is like, you can't blame the seller. They're like, no. okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bro, bro, if I need to go shop for groceries today, I got a number of choices. I could then decide, mm, you know what? I actually got enough in the house. I'll go next week. When you're house shopping, right. when, when you're house right. shopping, Good point. you are up against the gun. And, 100%. You know, you are up against the gun. It's very stressful. It's very time sensitive. It's, it's, the, it's extremely bad. It's extremely bad. It ain't like grocery shopping. It ain't like shopping for anything. You know, even a car, right? Uh, I'm going to go shopping. You know what? I'm going to put this car shopping on hold for six months. My car works. You know what I mean? Right. Things like that. House shopping is crazy. And that's, Again, getting to the to the juxta of this bill, you just need more affordable options. You do need more affordable houses, but I think that the whole the the, the way that you buy a house has to change too. And 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 <clears throat> I say that because like everything is so opaque. And so, for example, I, I, there was a place uh, for sale down the street, and they they were they put it on this the market for one thirty five, right? It was just like one bedroom, one bath. It, it's small, pro probably a tear down. I want I wanted to uh, fix it up and make it a, an affordable house here in, in Bay. I don't know if I told you the story before. And so I, I, put a, I put a bid on it over asking. It was 135 I said 137 And it was going to be a cash offer. So I said 137 cash, right? And I wrote them a note. And I said, I wrote them a note and said, hey, um, I, this is what I want to do with it. I want to fix it up. I'm not going to tear anything down. I just want to make it nice for, for a, a single couple or a family or a small family to come in here and, you know, live in Bay. It sold for 187 cash. I was gonna guess 175. <laughs> 187 cash. Now the the, the, the it's gonna be a teardown. They're gonna put build a you know a McMansion on it and whatever. How are they not gonna take that? And how are they how not gonna take it? But that. here's the problem: is like nobody even came back to me and said, "Hey," and, and, or or anybody else. I said, "Okay, well this guy offered 187. You want to go 188?" I didn't get that option. They just said, "Okay, here's all my options. I'm gonna take that guy." That's kind of weird, you know? Like, no other place will be able to do that. There's no auction. There's no bid. There's no anything. So it's like you're just going there blind, and you have to, like, the, and it's not fair to the purchaser because you have to kind of, like, shoot from the hip to understand if, are they going to offer above asking, below asking? And basically, you're just kind of, like, shooting from the hip. There's no transparency in pricing. I think it's kind of, it's really weird. Yeah, it's, it's, and uh, then it's the wild, wild west. Well, uh, it's, not even, it's not even that wild, wild west, but then you have to go back to the bank. And the bank says, okay, I'm going to offer above asking. They approve the loan. But then the, will the bank actually even give you that if they, if, if they don't appraise it at the price? You know what I'm saying? So they're like, oh, what do I do? I mean, to me, it's, it, to me, I do feel like it's Wild Wild West. It was very intimidating when we were house shopping. I've only done it once in the house we bought about five years ago. Um, you know, I've negotiated back when I was working in civil court, right? I negotiated huge settlements between corporations, between individuals, you know, but... Um, Man, a lot of sight unseen stuff going on, you know, game playing. Life is a game. Uh, poker, you know, it is a game out there because the purchaser then may have told them, you know, I got the, I'll, I'll give 187 right now, but, it, but you know, then put the 
put the game on them. Like, but I, this is it. This is a well, 24 hour offer, you know, it's all that. There's all kinds of games to be played, right. you know, and people with power and leverage, they know how to play those games better than, than me, better than us, you know, better than regular citizens, teachers, right. nurses, things like that. So, right, 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 right. um, it, it's a tough market and that's why we do have to, we do have to do something about the affordable housing problem. I mean, I, the same thing happened. I think, I think it's, honestly, I think it's kind of the, the operations of how you bid for these houses. Again, I put a, I put a cash offer into a townhouse the other day, or actually this was last year already. Company, just a company, an LLC came in and, and bought it, bought it for one, 150 cash. And I, and I already put over asking. Yeah. And I was just like, wait, what the hell is going it on? It seems a little broke. It seems a little broke. I mean, and, there's, and honestly, there is no... And if you're a family that has to sell their house in order to get the loan to buy the other house, either upgrading or downgrading, and you're just shooting from the hip over asking, you know, it's like, how do you even navigate this? How do you navigate this? And how many times are you going to be refused and refused and refused to get to do a you, house that you kind of don't even want because you, you just want to win a fucking a bid already? Or, or do you get these text messages offering to buy your house like every day? No, I do. You know, and in Cleveland, on the exits of the freeways, you get oh, like, "Oh yeah, we'll buy uh, any home." We'll buy any home, cash. Right. You know, right, and then right. I get these text messages. You know, maybe like once a week, maybe twice a week. Like, uh, you know, hey Ross, are you the owner at my address? You know, are you looking to sell? But and I, I just obviously don't even respond. It's just a spam text message is like uh, you know the, the only thing i would do is fuck with them i'd be like oh yeah we're asking 500 not a penny less you know blah blah blah. if i was gonna because i'm not looking to move you know is what that I mean? your house is worth over there no god no not even close <laughs> yeah not even close but actually, I, actually, I would no, we, fuck with them no during the during the pandemic we actually got a couple letters and they're asking sarah to sell the house we did get some of those and we're and I, actually i told her just like hey can we get seven for this thing right life is a game <laughs> like life is a game negotiating um if if you I try and tell this to, to my family members because, again, I worked in civil court. And I saw all these multi-million dollar negotiations and games, games being played. If you can detach from identifying with the situation, if you can take want out of it, you can have a lot of fun negotiating oh, and fucking with people. 100%. Whether it's car dealer. You know, get, you're not looking for a car. Go to a car lot today and fuck with these car sellers. Right. You know what I mean? You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot. Yeah. You can learn a lot. Everything's negotiable. Yeah. You know, and so when you take want out of it and you see the way these game players that have risen to the top of the wealth game play, um, it is intriguing, somewhat sad, somewhat like, oh, the educational, you know, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, but we do need to do something about the affordable housing market. I, I 100% agree, man. Um, I don't know where, we, where we're at now. And I actually, I don't even know if I've been making sense this whole damn uh, podcast, to be honest with you. I'm amped up on caffeine and uh, just on a, on I a love tear. It. I of, love uh, it. Because so here's the thing. Is I don't, I don't do these podcasts as a definite, I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. I do these as a way to explore ideas with somebody else. And explore my ideas. And the, and the cool thing about having conversations, and I think that a lot of people... I think it's something we don't do enough of because we're, we're, we're so worried about being wrong. And, and especially on, if you're putting on a podcast, to be wrong on the record, you right. know, um, that we don't explore these ideas. And I just like to talk to try to figure shit out in my head. Um, the last thing I want to figure out in my head, though, is what do, you, what do we think about AOC endorsing Joe Biden? 
That was on your list. That's and, on my list. And I hated that. What, what, what is that publication that you made me read that's Jacobin? Jacobin? so I don't know fucking biased and yeah, they, they, lefty, they're very socialist, left. they're Marxist, very left socialist. sort of fucking weird yeah, thing? Yeah, they're very left socialist. Well, but, but I I couldn't agree more with it. Because, and I am, I'm a very... Um, I don't know if I don't know if you call me very left, but I think I really am. But I'm, I don't believe in any isms or or any uh, ideologies or things like that. Really, well, um, they really threw a RFK Jr. under the bus in that article, didn't did, they? I, I don't even remember. <clears throat> but um, the the point is, we've talked about this in another form on another podcast. You can't go around saying you're fighting for democracy. You're the party of democracy. Democracy, democracy, democracy. You know, and then be against a democratic process of, you know, we need to have a policy argument. This is what me and you have been doing for hours for the last two or three months, talking about policy and how can we improve the place. You only do that to say you are wrong about this, you're right about this, you know, they're, they're, this hasn't been considered, we haven't considered this. And so for an AOC was elected in 18, on a on a platform and on a message of rabble rousing and challenging the establishment, challenging the military industrial complex, challenging Pelosi, challenging the establishment. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pelosi did this, right? And, it, and there's been a ton of people, a ton of the establishment that's come out and of course a stat, uh, endorsed the established incumbent. We expect that from probably Sherrod Brown, uh, Nancy Pelosi, you know, things like this. We expect that from them. AOC and Bernie are people that acted like they were anti-establishment. They acted that way. They, th that's how they've endeared their voters to donate, to knock doors, things like that. We're not even that far from t when she got, first got elected. We're not even that far from that. And here she is you know, again, they, they don't fight for Medicare for all when they're in power. The minute the Republicans take take power, we're back on the Medicare for all train. You know, things like that. You, If you want to shake up the establishment, shake it up. Don't act like you're, act like you will shake it up. You know, things like that. Is it is it quite possible that they tried their best to shake it up and they got put in place? Yes, that's possible. But again, that's, that's why you ran to sit. If you can't do it, Step down. That's what I say about Bib. I knew at the time when Bib and Kevin Kelly were campaigning, they had no answers for crime. You can't just, with a force of personality, change the level of crime because you're the plane dealer calls you bold and visionary, or they call AOC a change agent. Just because they call her a change agent doesn't mean change is going to happen. You have to kind of stick your foot in the sand and say, we're not taking the status quo anymore. And this is the policy change we need. And if and if you get me out of here because money wins elections, well, guess what? I don't want to be in line with the establishment and the majority. I don't want to be there then. What is sticking your foot in the stand? In the sand, Ross. What is that? You have to stick your foot in the stand. You, you got to dig. You got to you got to <laughs> sturdy yourself and say, I'm not going with Pelosi. I like, can't. AOC, you're not sticking your foot in the sand. I'm. Not, I campaigned anti-Pelosi. Not foot sand sticker. She campaigned and an anti-Pelosi message. People hate the establishment. You know, they hate the military industrial complex. That's what she campaigned against, ending forever wars. Joe Biden is an architect of, of many, of much of our foreign policy and our war funding, things like that. So again, I would expect this from Pelosi 
and shared brown and, and others of that ilk. But if you're Bernie and if you're AOC, this just tells me you lied on the stump. You lied on the stump. And that's where I'm at with it. Let me take another um, angle to this. Joe Biden is the leader of the party. He's the president of the United States. They're both ran at Democrats. I know the, the narrative is that if this was a different country, then AOC and Joe Biden wouldn't be even be on the, in the same party. But the fact is, in the United States, they are. They are in the same party. Why, and I, why do we believe that it is acceptable for the DNC or other Democrats who are Democrats to not endorse the leader of their party, which is the sitting president of the United States, if the goal is to become president and, and, and to control the executive branch of our federal government, to not endorse the person that's already there. Doesn't that just seem absolutely counterintuitive to what the whole purpose of the party is? Whether that's true or false, whether that's true or false, because I get that. That's not, what she, that's not why she said she was running in 2018. Mm -hmm. Whether that's true, because Joe Crowley, Joe Crowley could have done that. So why are you running? Joe Crowley could have just said, hey, Team Biden, vote for Biden, vote for Biden. So what did you say to bounce an incumbent? You said, I'm here to challenge the status quo. I'm here to fight the military industrial complex. I'm here to fight for Medicare for all. Joe Biden is the opposite of a Medicare for all candidate. The opposite of a Medicare for all candidate. So again, Joe Crowley could have done now what you're doing. You know, he could have done that. You could have just kept bartending. They say she was a bartender. I don't even know if I believe that. I don't know what's to believe about about her anymore. Huh. <clears throat> so, so you think that she shouldn't have endorsed Biden? Well, I think if she cared about things like Medicare for all or and ending the military, you know, uh, lessening, less, lessening military spending. If she cared about certain policies of which she stumped on and of which she gives grandstanding, right? Like city of which she's grandstanded on, you know, labor rights, right? Now we've got more groups striking. You know, we know where Joe Biden's been at his whole policy career. You know, now we have more groups striking right now. So he's not a Medicare for all candidate. He's not a, and, and the foreign wars candidate. He's not a pro-labor candidate, right? These are all things she ran on. These are all things that she ran on. So Joe Crowley could have, just could have been another cog in the machine. Right. You lied to your voters is what I'm saying. Right, right, right. And I, I, I do see that. You know, again, it goes back to the Julian Castro um, quote that I love the best. You cannot champion democracy if you are not a role model of democracy. And I, I love that quote so much. I love that quote so much. And it, it's, it's true. There is a hypocrisy here. And, and honestly, I'm a little bit conflicted about what the DNC should be doing or Democrats should be doing. I think individual elected Democrats should take the should figure out what they want to represent and represent that. If AOC wants to represent a break from the status quo, she absolutely should. And she might lose her re-election. And she might lose she her re-election. She might. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the chance you have to take. But here's the thing. Is, and she might. But that's the chance you have to take if you want to be a change agent. And I 100% agree with that. But I think, and I know this is talking on both sides of my mouth, I agree that we need change agents um, and, and that people want to stand up for stuff. And I, I wish AOC was that person. Um, honestly, I don't never really liked her personally. But I, I kind of did. She kind of got me. I'm, I, I, I feel guilty. I, I never really liked her personally. Um, and so now that she's kind of like just becoming a, a softie, that it's like, eh, you know, kind of glad I didn't. Um, 
but also at the at the same time it is it's also kind of not realistic to think that the Democratic Party would go against their democratically elected president of the United States that's sitting as the head of the party and the executive branch. That's also like, it also doesn't make sense to go, well, why is the Democrats violently supporting Biden? Because he's the fucking Democratic president of the United States. I mean, that doesn't, that's not... Right. I, un, that, I that do is not understand that unbelievable. angle. Unbelievable. No, of course not. I, that angle, on that angle, you are right. And this was, uh, let's imagine, right, Bill Clinton... Uh, going for re-election. Let's imagine Obama going for re-election. We've never really had this. We've never really had this situation because Joe Biden is uh, uh, upwards of 80 years old right. at this point and is having trouble being told which direction to walk in and, and you know, reading the end of quote prompt pretty much every time now, you know, things like that. Making jokes that is like, was he supposed to say that? Is this just him saying in front of cameras what he's usually supposed to keep behind the cameras? Things like that. So, um, this isn't a Bill Clinton, Barack Obama situation. You know what I mean? Not that those candidates fought for what they campaigned on because in my opinion, they did not. They did not. But we need discussion about different policy or else we are on a powder keg of a situation in my opinion. So we do need some change agents in the seats of power. Okay, so what, what do you think about this? And I thought this is something that's not on our agenda, but... Uh... This came out about a couple of days ago, and I thought it was very interesting. Um, Democrat flips to become a Republican after getting elected. Furious, state, furious Georgia state representative defects and tears into former party for embracing left-wing ra radicalism and lawlessness and putting interests of migrants over Americans. And basically, she got elected to the House, got fed up, and says, I'm a Republican now. What do you think about that? Uh <laughs> so, some people are saying that that's, that's fraud. I, yeah, I'd have to look into it, but for me, it's a Kirsten Cinema type situation. It's probably internal polling. It's probably grandstanding. I think that nobody in positions, I, nobody's taking a step far, but largely people who get elected, which takes a lot of money and a lot of um, good faith, <laughs> a lot of promises, politicians generally lie. Um, yeah, Kirsten Cinema is, is a fine example. Um, I think it's grandstanding and it's in bad faith. And do you, you think know, it's fraud? Uh, fraud in what sense? Lies, yes. I mean, lying. But, but That's I mean, what I'm, I'm talking about. Something AOC. that should not be legal. No, I don't. I don't think that. I, I think freedom. I think you have the freedom to lie so in the, this country. Yeah. So, so what, one of the uh, aspects of it is like this person presented himself this way yeah. as a Democrat, just like as AOC. This, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> and, and then decide that they're not this way, and but still has the job. Yeah. Right. Liar. So, so they're saying that it's not even a lie. It's just like, that's not right. That's not way elected. It, they can recall this person. They it's can true. recall this person. It's true. Uh, people are so... Well, I don't know the laws in Georgia, but... People we'll, are so mad at Bib here in Cleveland. I'm. You almost wonder, are people considering this shit? You know, the, uh, George Santos, right? We talk about this with George Santos. Right. George Santos ain't flipping no party. He's He said, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a far-right Republican. That's how he's legislating. But... He lied a shitload in his campaign right. about the most ridiculous things, you know. So my wonder was, why don't they go for the recall? Why, but that brings up another issue that me and you have talked about to um, to end to the end of the earth is petition movements, grassroots campaigns. Those are really hard. You're, you know, uh, vote no in vote here in Ohio. Vote no in August. Yes, in November. You know, these movements are really hard for the people 
to hold our electeds accountable. You know what I mean? So I would be recalling George Santos. I would probably uh, hope that they would have at least a consideration or some discussions about recalling this woman, you know, but that takes money. That takes time. Time is money. You know what I mean? Me and you out here petitioning, you know, we've obviously uh, got some resources that allow us to do that, you know. Uh, so the only thing you can say is, hey, they'll lose in the next election. But, you know, we, us in Ohio and Cleveland, uh, that really never plays itself out. That really never, never plays itself true. And I expect AOC to win as many re-elections as Pelosi uh, and Hakeem Jeffries will support her. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't see cinema not having a full-blown political career. I don't see this woman not having a long political career. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I just want to bring that up because I thought it was very interesting and everybody's just saying again um, that this, people are pissed. It is fraudulent. I don't think it's illegal. Right. Um, last thing, last thing, NATO. Finland in um sweden i think in sweden turkey just said sweden could could join what's your thoughts well yeah i think you can't bear the lead on that and ukraine is out supposedly well i mean they're just not in i mean they're not in they're not in in the technicality in, of being in they're in th- yeah they're in a war they're in a war <laughs> and, and the thing about the nato compact from my understanding which is limited is if you are in and you get attacked, right. then every country that's in NATO right. has the obligation to it, send its troops. Right. I think it's like, what, what is it, Article 5 or, right. or something like that? And so you, th- these NATO countries are not going to let them in because then, you know, that would that would create all kinds of chaos with the populations who all these populations, many even the population in, in the United Kingdom, in England, is really struggling. You know what I mean? Nobody wants their tax dollars going to these cluster bombs. You know what I mean? Things like this. And so they certainly don't want, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant, by the way. My wife is pregnant. They certainly don't want their kids getting sent to Ukraine. You know what I mean? So um, that would bring a whole host of other madness if, if, you know, we had to start sending our troops over there. So I, I, I think I don't understand why, okay, wait, this is going to sound like the stupidest question I've ever asked on this podcast, and I'm going to ask it. I don't understand why Russia has not been invited into NATO. The purpose of NATO was anti-USSR, and it was, hey, we will not advance. We will not advance. We will not advance. Then the USSR disbanded. You know, I don't have all the history down. You know what I mean? But... We should have solidarity with all un, you know, non-powerful people. And there should be no war. There, there should be no war. Now, it seems like NATO has provoked, and you could say the United States, has provoked this war. Some people disagree with it. They say, hey, Russia just invaded. Russia's the bad guy. End of story. It's a complicated issue. It's a complicated issue. You know? But NATO was meant to combat the USSR back in the 80s you know we're long past that and it keeps expanding so at some point we have to come up with a different group of peace a di- you know what i mean a different concept of one earth and i don't think it's nato and the expansion so i don't think finland should be in i don't think i don't, i think they should do away with it and come up with some different pact of countries and we should start 
really fighting for peace, not actually fighting a war, if that makes any sense. So I don't know enough about it. Yeah, well, anyway, NATO was created back in the uh, 40s, by the way. Okay. Um, just uh, right, right. At the time of uh, to combat after, Russia after World War II. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes. Just wanted to, you said the 80s, and I was like. That's I think that. the pact got made in the 80s about no more expansion. No more expansion west. Or, I'm sorry, east. Um, I think NATO expansion is a good thing. Um, I think that the more people you can get on your side to say, hey, look, let's not have things, people or countries get invaded. It's, it's, it's basically, in my opinion, just getting people on the same, on the, on the same you know, page, right? And, and understanding that there is power between, behind leverage. It's like, hey, don't, don't mess with these guys or else you're messing with all of us. And, and that's kind of like, yeah, it's a game, you know? It's like, you mess with, that, you, you mess with, my, you mess with my boy? And then you got your all the friends come out, and they're gonna, you know, you're gonna start some trouble. So like, yeah, Finland, Sweden, what? you know, it's it, it, this this is this is a good good expansion. I, I am kind of surprised that you that we're even talking about Ukraine, and Ukraine thinks that they should join at this moment. Oh, because they want our troops. They don't want to lose all just their people. I mean, of of course, of course. And I think that I, I think that um, I mean. <laughs> You, you can't you can't be in a conflict and enjoy NATO. That doesn't make sense. Um, I just look at but things. I, but a lot what different. else do you think there would be? I mean, if say if you disbanded NATO right now and left everybody out on their out on their own and say somebody you know went into Sweden, we're just like, eh, hey, maybe Finland will help you out, or you know, or maybe you know U.S. could come over there, or Canada could help you. But like now we have like this. Now there 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 is this power, you know, and. You know, you're asking good questions. Like, why are we not, you know, making a more, a bigger effort to get more people on board to have this, you know, consensus, to have this consensus of, yeah, like, let's just all say no wars. Anybody gets invaded, you know, uh, we're all going to you know, come after you. We all have obligations. So how about we just cool it down and let's work on, you know, developing the countries and people and economies and so on and right, so forth. right. And I understand that. And that's a very good question you ask, honestly. Yeah, that's a very I, good question you ask. I am quite the pacifist, uh, hippie or whatever, if you will. And there are groups of people in Russia, whether you want to call them LGBTQ, the, what is it, the, the Uyghurs? In, the Uyghurs. In Uyghurs. And there are groups in these countries that are just like my neighbors in Cleveland, completely powerless. You know, uh, like we see police brutality happen in these cities, in Akron, Columbus, and Cleveland. You know what I mean? There are humanitarian problems in these countries that we get told are the bad guys. China and Russia aren't the bad guys. Putin might be the bad guy. But you know what I mean? Putin and the oligarchs, things like that, whoever's behind their military industrial complex, you know what I mean? There are bad actors everywhere. And, and they're in Ukraine too, right? Uh, you've got Nazi groups in Ukraine, right-wing groups. So our problems go a lot deeper than this country good, this country bad, you know? And I just think if NATO is only fighting for what we conceive of as Ukraine, while we make it worse for, for non-powerful kind of Russian citizens, non-powerful Chinese citizens, people in poor countries, India, you know, uh, it needs, needs their food, you know what I mean? Things like that, irrigation, the environment. There are a multitude of concerns that go more than, hey, we need to fortify Ukraine 
and against this bad invasion of Russia. Because again, that was a the wrong thing to do. Nobody's pro-Putin, nobody's pro-war. How do you end it? How do we end it? You know what I mean? Because if you just keep escalating, we know where that leads. I'm, I'm about to see that movie. I want you want to go to that movie with me, uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, I'm going. I, I want to go. But I'm I'm am I'm a, I'm a morning movie goer. Sounds good, but I'm a popcorn movie goer. I don't care when I go, as long as I get the buttered popcorn. All right. So how about this? Um, that Saturday is your. Would your girl be interested? Because I know Lauren's well, she, interested. Well, she's out of town. That's, okay. that, that's it. Comes out and she's she's out of town and she's gonna be in Europe for uh, two weeks. Oh, and good for her. Where's she going? She's going to Germany and uh, Netherlands. Um, oh man. But uh, that I mean, which is which is great. I'm I'm gonna love the two weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. She hates when I say that, but you know, she's ah, like she's like you don't love me, and I'm like like no, that's not the case. Yeah, Lauren just, went to Key West. I did petitioning. I went to restaurants. I'm not allowed to go to. Without, you mean restaurants you're not. You know, like good. I I just get dog shit food. You know what I mean? Like right. that she's not interested in. You know what I mean? Oh right, 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 right. No, I, no, I, I know. It's just I I just I don't know. I just like. Like when, when when she when she leaves, my favorite thing to do is honestly kind of like batten down the hatches, get in, get on the couch early, and just watch all the sci-fi in the darkest room possible. Shit, she doesn't want to watch. Maybe. I mean, she does, but she doesn't okay. like to watch it like the way I watch it. Yeah. I, I not only watch it, and then I watch all the like the YouTube videos about the oh, thing. I like this. And so I, I like I like go deep. Like you want to sci-fi? Oh yeah, man. If I you like watch Dune, and I'll watch all of the all those people making videos about the Dune movie and the Dune lore and all that stuff, and I get really yeah, all I mean, I deep might, into I, it. I might watch shit she don't want to watch, like Forensic Files or some true crime or something like that. But I might go play poker. I mean, there's no again, just like Russia Ukraine. It's not. I'm not. Uh, completely dedicated and love us watching our shows together. It's just if you're gone, I'm gonna watch this shit you have no interest in. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna go play poker. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Like there are plans I'm gonna make to do that maybe you're just not all that much into. What about um, next weekend, the 22nd, because it comes out on the 21st? If you're down for instead of do instead maybe go see the movie and do the podcast after um, or the next day, we can go in like the the, the morning or afternoon on Saturday. Uh, so I think I have my friends, another friend's 40th. Yeah. I was the best yeah. man at his wedding. Well, I'm 40. So a lot of my old friends are turning 40, Yeah. but, um, let me go home and check that out. Cause or, damn, I would want to go to that Sunday. Maybe I don't, I don't we know. We can do Sunday. We can do the podcast on Saturday and then go. Or uh, his, his party might be Friday too. Do so really anybody want to hear, hear us discuss our plans? No, no. Well, but, but, but this actually gets to what I'm talking about, right? Oppenheimer, the atomic bomb is a story about. When are we going to put the brakes on? When are we going to put the brakes on? Because if we don't put them on at the right time, if we don't trust fall into one another, it ends badly. We got I, I, the movie's kind of probably based on the true story, but not enough true actually. You know, you could you could do months worth of research on World War Two. I mean, and a those lot, I mean, a lot of people did say that you know uh, Japan was going to surrender, Germany yeah. was done already. Why why did they even do this? Right. What was it? Nineteen forty-five. Yeah. I mean, it, it had seemed like. Uh, I, 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 again, I was not born in 1945, but, but it, when you do your historical research, there's definitely uh, a, a segment of the research that says, this is inhumane. This is unnecessary. True. This, this is over. You True. know what I mean? So, but, and then and they there's, say, there's other people it saying was a that... power play to show Russia, to show Russia, look what we got. Look what we got. And I've heard that too. I've also heard that, you know, Germany was on, on their coattails too, to develop it too. It's like, so who's going to do it first? Right, just like the space race. So if 
if we can't figure out again, we're not historians, so I have no I, I have no clue, man. I I don't know. But I'm, but, I'm, it, but it's relevant I'm in look, this discussion. It's relevant. Well, I think it's more relevant to discussions of I, I don't know if it's actually relevant to this discussion. I think it's more relevant to emerging technology discussions. Because remember, the harnessing the atom went to nuclear plants and all kinds of good stuff. Sure. This is basically talking about what do we do with technology? I think, I, for me, looking at this movie, it's like, we have a technology that can be used for very bad, very good, and all kinds of things in between, right? And so how do we use this technology, and where do we slam on the brakes of what we can't do? And I think that once you, once you have the technology, there's no such thing as not opening the Pandora's box. So it's like, if, you have, if, if you're able to harness the power of the atom, there's, it's, it's unbridled now, right? Let's talk about AI. Once we have an, anything that looks like AI or something that can be any kind of, in, our, in air quotes, artificial intelligence, we're done. The, 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 the Pandora's box is open. It's Terminator 2. It's, it, 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 I mean, it really is. I mean, you're not going to close it. We're not going to make a pact that says, oh, you know, uh, and it's kind of like with the cluster bombs, you know? That's <clears> what <throat> I was going to get to. Exactly. It's, it's like we, we talked about last week. Exactly, exactly. There is a law that says we cannot export these bombs because they have 1% duds in them. They, they, people find them years years, and kids find them thinking they're toys or cool metal things and they blow up and maim kids all over the place. Actually, I listened to um, uh, The Daily from the New York Times with um, um, I, Michael Barbaro and he uh, was talking about this happened in Laos. Laos, there's a lot of cluster bombs around, and there's a lot of people maimed with their kids, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, it's a horrific offense. Same thing with land landmines. And so it's like, it's like, but the Pandora's box is open. Right. You know what happens? No matter what, we're still shipping them over to to Ukraine, and now their their land is going to be littered with with these things. And, and so what I'm saying is, you need that trust fall of of not crossing lines. Uh, being in agreement that we're not going to cross lines and cluster bombs is crossing the lines to me. You know what I mean? You can't, so, you, you can't sit here and say in this con you can't sit here and say nobody needs an, an AK, what is it? AK 47 or, or whatever. Nobody needs AR 15. And then that's your business though, is giving AR 15s to everybody or, you know, a cluster bombs, to everybody. It, there's, you have every, your first, second and third priority should be ending the war. And right now you got candidates, right? You said we're going to talk about RFK, um, Trump and RFK, and people saying, "Hey, we're going." And the, you put me in office day one, we'll come to an end on this war. You know, that's what people are campaigning on because they know that's what people want. Our tax dollars are going to all these other NATO countries, including Ukraine, the most of all, because it goes even beyond the allotment of our normal tax dollars. It's new, new funding. You know, people want this done. They want this done. And, and we understand that Ukraine w would lose a war. We're not trying to advocate for a demolition here. We're trying to advocate for something that all parties can move forward with without guns. Just like the wars in the 30s and 40s. They have to end. Or else. Or else, you know, we're going to go. I'm going to go check my schedule. I'd love to go see Oppenheimer with you. Might have to bring Lauren along. Okay, so, <laughs> no, I, let's bring Lauren along. I, I've never met her and I would love to meet her. Yes! What do you mean, yes? Of I'm course. saying yes, it's time. I mean, we it, need to get together. And if we have to do it at night and we do like a dinner, drink yeah, sort yeah. of thing, that's fine too. Um, you, here's why I want to combat what, combat what you're saying. Like, hey, we just need a trust fall. You, you've never read, read The Three-Body Problem, right? No, I've never even heard of it. Fucking the best sci-fi books 
ever. And I just, I just plowed through them. The three body, what is it? The three body problem. They're not easy books. They're long books um, made by or written by a Chinese writer, um, Cixin Liu or Liu Cixin. And he is, anyway, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's good because he, ha he answers one of the things called the Fermi paradox with this, with, with this book. You know what the Fermi paradox is? The Fermi paradox means is like, if there's so many stars and planets out there, why don't we see anybody? Like, what, that's the paradox. It's like, if life is so ubiquitous with space and the universe, where is everybody, right? Well, I would come, I think, I think some philosophers and they have, have said it's a human problem. It's, it's like, uh, they, you know, there would be inter, interplanetary fights and things that would make other cultures like the dinosaurs, like have not been able to get here. Well, so here's, he, he, he does it, he has this thing called um, cosmic sociology. And there's a couple axioms of it. One is the chain of suspicion and technological explosion. And the chain of suspicion basically means that, basically means that if you are trying to figure out what another civilization is thinking and you make yourself known to them, the only logical conclusion is to destroy the other civilization because for, because you have so much time between each other, you can't really talk to each other in a, in a whatchamacallit, like a, um, a quick manner. You can't communicate. You can't communicate. And even if you could, you still don't know what they're going to do on the trust. other side. You can't trust. You just can't trust them. There's nothing that you can do to trust them. So it's not a fault. So the only logical conclusion of, you know, and he does it a lot better than, than, um, <clears throat> than I will say. Um, uh, I, I, I could bet that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so basically, the concept is like this: is like, should we attack? And it's like, if they are, if they are, M, or if yeah, yes, we attack. If they think they are B, then don't attack. But now you get to another conclusion. But what if they like this, like this, then attack or not attack? And you keep going, and it's just a suspicion of, of in, sooner or later, while somebody will attack the other person and destroy the other civilization because the grade of risk of that other person not destroying you is too, too great. Oh. And so I think that's kind of like what we're saying here when it comes to uh, weapons. It's like, it, it's like, oh, let's trust for somebody, but there's no way to trust that they don't have the thing, and so we have to have the thing. And if we both have the thing, we know we both have the thing, or who's going to attack who first, or who's going to position themselves first to make sure that we are leveraged, leveraged in a way that we don't get destroyed ourselves, And that's basically what he said on a, on, a, on a cosmic scale. And I thought that was, honestly, I thought it was brilliant. And this is why there's no other civilizations because they make themselves go dark because they don't want to make themselves have that um, cosmic, or that, I'm sorry, what is it, the chain of uh, suspicion? Well, that may, that may, makes sense to me. If you, if you look at a lot of wars or occupations and in, on this planet, a lot of them are based off oil, right? Energy, resources, like we want your... We need the capacity to make more weapons, right? Whatever the case may be, the, the empire of Britain before it was the empire of Mongolia, you know, whatever the case may be. We need what you got, so we're invading, right? You think about the movie Independence Day, right? The aliens come. Well, I mean, the, the, that's, I mean I'm a sci-fi guy, so that's just stupid. I'm just like, saying, no, 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 but you need a trust fall. And the president <laughs> says to the alien, can there be a peace between us? And he says, no peace. No peace, because we are predatory, right? I've, never, I've actually never seen the movie Avatar, but it's, a, uh, you know, it's an imperial conquest to another planet, right? So if, they, if, the, if one group of organisms thinks they need 
which you've got, they're going to, they're going to invade. They're going to invade if they think they need it. So, log so logically, then, is if, if, if as soon as you find out there's another civilization or whatever, another, you destroy it, or else, or else, eventually there's going to be an invasion, or eventually uh, there's going to be. If 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 it depends on how you view them. If you if you get scared, right? If you act out of fear, right? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Are you, there are 400,000 species of beetles on this country. You know, if you view another civilization as ants, you're not gonna worry about it. But if you view them as dinosaurs, you're gonna worry about it. You know what I mean? So if you act out of fear, then, you know, it, it's a, a pro, you're attacking first, right? Things like that. So it just depends on your your mental state. If you fear, you're going to be in a bad place. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You will you will declare war, and that's going to end. I don't think well for anybody because of the disease of war. You know, then if you a lot of people like to theorize, right? Like, what if Germany would have won? Would have won when they invaded Russia? Would have then invaded Britain? Like, there is no there's. What are they trying to get out of this? What's the end game? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we could theorize on this stuff forever, but I can't wait to see Oppenheimer. I'm looking for Oppenheimer, too. Okay, two-hour conversation. Talk to you later, Ross. Yep.